Welcome to episode 96 of the Girl About the Globe podcast. The podcast is back for the rest of the year and season 8 kicks off with a discussion on solo female travel in Europe. For this episode I'm joined by Emily Pern, a fellow traveller who's initially from Chicago and has visited Europe many times. If you are in need of some inspiration to travel to the continent of Europe, then this episode is for you. Stay tuned. Welcome to Girl About the Globe, a podcast for you as a solo female traveller, empowering women to travel solo with maximum adventure, minimum impact. Welcome to another podcast episode for the Solo Female Traveller. Today I'm speaking with Emily Pern, a fellow solo traveller, about her life-changing trip across Europe. Emily is originally from Chicago and has visited Europe several times. Hi Emily, lovely to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Before we transport ourselves to the continent of Europe, can you tell us more about you? So how long have you been solo traveling and what type of travel do you, you usually do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I first started solo traveling when I was about 15 years old, actually. I was wow. on the U.S. national team for Taekwondo and my parents couldn't come with me on every trip. So uh, not entirely solo, but I was going with my team to Europe you know, without parental supervision, and I didn't start truly traveling by myself until I was about 22. Uh, I'm 29 now, so it's been about seven or so years of going across the world, across the United States by myself. Uh, as far as my travel style goes, I, I love active travel. I love going anywhere where I can hike, swim, climb, see the geography of a country, and I also enjoy history and culture. So spending time slowing down between those active trips museums and getting to go look. Is that what drew you to Europe, the history and the culture? That was a, a big draw to it. I feel like you can go to so many different countries in Europe and each country has an entirely different culture compared to it, a neighboring country or a different different history. So I never feel like I, I'm going to run out of places I want to experience in Europe. Gosh, you can see such a variety of geography. You can be on beautiful sand beaches or you can be in the Swiss Alps. It's it's truly such a diverse place and, and the people are incredible as well. There's a lot of solo travelers. That's true, actually. And I think the fact that everywhere is really close, isn't it? I mean, compared to the US, you can just fly within an hour and you can be in a completely different country in <laughs> Absolutely, that's that's a huge draw as well. You know, the flight from Chicago to London takes as long as you know New York to Seattle sometimes. So. Can you tell us a bit more about your travels and which countries did you go to and any routes that you've taken? Yeah, so typically before I go on a trip, I'll I'll usually make a list of the top ten cities or you know top five countries I'd like to visit or say a, a you know a two to three week trips such as this one. Uh, and on this trip, I had three main countries I wanted to make it to, which were Poland, Croatia, and Italy. Uh, I have been to Italy before, but I was in Northern Italy and in Milan in the past, and I wanted to make it to Southern Italy and, and Rome this time around because it's so different even within its own country. But I was also able to uh, visit three additional countries for a shorter period of time. 
just with extended layovers or day trips. So I also made it to Sweden, Bosnia, and Portugal. So I was able to make it to six countries in about two weeks on this trip. That's amazing. So that must have taken quite a bit of planning to be able to, to do those countries in that time. It does take some planning, uh, but there's certain countries like Sweden, it was absolutely beautiful, but it wasn't necessarily on my, my top 10 places I wanted to visit. And I, I found a, a full day layover there when I was flying into Poland, so it allowed me to see a bit of it without having to book extra accommodation and things like that. And you said that you'd been to Italy before, and it, it was the north of Italy. Are there any other countries that you've been to before? I have actually, I've been to quite a few countries in, in Europe. I actually live just outside Geneva, Switzerland, in a small town in France called Colons-de-Salève for a couple of months uh, back in my early 20s. And uh, that was when I ended up taking a bus over to Milan. That's another great thing about Europe, as you know. You, can also take a bus almost anywhere or train. I've been, gosh, so many places in Europe. Most of, of Western Europe I have been to. Still need to make it over to Belgium and Denmark, but uh, Eastern Europe is currently where I'm, I'm focusing on my next travel. So hopefully I can visit more places in the Balkans and things like that. When you plan your trip, how do you decide on what accommodation to choose? It's funny, I think this has progressed over time. Uh, when I was younger, first traveling in Europe, you know, about 22, I was a, a manager at Starbucks. And I really wasn't making much money at all. So I had to be very budget conscious. I was doing anything from couch surfing and I slept in a, a random person's RV in Iceland for free and a girl's dorm in London on the floor of her dorm, you know, for free and, um, from there, I graduated to hostels and, you know, staying in mixed dorms. And at this point in my life, I typically stay in hotels. Uh, but this time around, I actually use Airbnbs, despite having hotel status with several PNC in the United States because of my work. Airbnb was still significantly cheaper in many cases for the kitchen. So I didn't have to be out every meal, which was great. Well, that's interesting. So it's worth people looking at Airbnb just to see if it's any cheaper than the hotels, I guess, especially during the summer months, because I know this year the price of accommodation in Europe is higher than I've ever seen it in the last few years. Yeah, I was very surprised. I, You know, in the United States, especially Airbnb, can pack on cleaning fees that can make it very expensive. And I was expecting that a bit in Europe, but I was mm. finding, you know, full apartments in for $50, $60 a night in some cases without all the extra added fees. So it was definitely worth the payoff. That's really good value, isn't it, compared to what you pay for a hotel room? I recently, this month, I was in France and I was paying, I'm trying to convert it to dollars, I think it was about $55 or $60 just for a hotel room. And yeah. I like hostels and I've spent two decades in hostels, but now I feel that I don't want to share a room anymore, so I'd rather pay a bit more for my own space. But I was, I, was really, I was really surprised just for a hotel room. And like you're saying there, you can probably get a whole apartment for less than that. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by that. So it's always worth looking to Airbnb. And couch surfing, I've only done that a couple of times. Do you recommend that for women? Because you can do reviews now, can't you? You can have <laughs> reviews from other women. Yeah, so that was how I 
primarily decided who to stay with. When I used to couch surf, I also hosted a couple from other countries back in my house in America just to repay the favor a bit. But uh, I would look heavily at the reviews, especially, you know, in Iceland, I was trying to stay with couch surfers who were female. And I wasn't finding the option in Iceland when I went back in 2017. So I did find a man, like I said, who had an RP available. And typically I would never do that. But after reading the reviews, there were hundreds from women who were saying they felt completely safe or they traveled alone and there's nothing to worry about. So I relied very heavily on reviews before, you know, working with, with a man in that case. And it's a great way of learning a bit about the local culture as well, isn't it, when you couch surf? If you get, I mean, generally people that I know of that have done it have been really open to meeting people from different cultures and they've cooked for them and they show them around and take them to a local restaurant. So it's a good introduction. Yeah. Yeah. The people couch surfing usually want to give back to the the international community or the national community in a way. So I, I did notice that a lot. Everybody was very friendly and Fortunately, I never had a bad experience of Oh, that's really good. And I know Europe is, I mean, there's so many countries in Europe, but what do you think is the attraction to women traveling alone there after your experience of traveling solo there? I think, as we've talked about, there is quite the variety in the history, uh, especially as it relates to women. You know, you always need to be aware of your surroundings when you're traveling alone, but there are many places in Europe that are, are safer than and other destinations around the world. Uh, not to generalize, but say Latin America, you might have to be a bit more precautious in, in certain countries there uh, compared to many big cities in Europe where there's a lot of people your age, a lot of English speakers. Like I said, it's, it's so popular among solo travelers as well. There's, there's no shortage of people to meet in Europe. How do you normally meet people when you're traveling alone? And you, you said that you've met a lot of other women traveling solo. I have, yeah, and so many ways and opportunities. And ironically, I'm naturally introverted and quite shy, so I do have to push myself outside of my comfort zone. Uh, starting even with social media, there are so many Facebook groups dedicated to women only travel with hundreds of thousands of members across the world. Uh, a lot of them are meet up while they're already in their country or even plan a trip with. So I have met a lot of people that use that. Uh, there's also so many apps. Couchsurfing also has a feature uh, called Hangout, I believe. I've used that in the past where you can see locals in the area that just want to meet up and hang out. You know, I met a girl who was in Portland. I, I looked on the app in Portland, Oregon. And met a girl who was there and grabbed dinner and drinks with her. And she walked me around the neighborhood, gave a little bit of history. So that was great. And even more recently, what I used for this trip is actually the app uh, Bumble. And many people associate it with the dating app, but there is a feature on it called Bumble BFF. So it's essentially if you're looking for friends wherever you're at. So when I was in Croatia, I clicked on Bumble BFF and I connected to a girl from the UK that was using the app. And she was actually traveling with five girls she had just met through a Facebook group. So I ended up meeting up with all of them and spending the day with them on the island of the bar, getting meals together, swimming, and just getting to hear about people who have a completely different life and different experiences than I do. 
That's great. I'm so happy that you mentioned Bumble because I've just arrived back in Dubai and I got recommended to use Bumble for meeting friends. Yeah, I've, I've had luck with it in the United States as well. It's, it's a great app. Yeah, and I've met a couple of girls on it already because you can match based on your interests. So if you like yoga or meditation or hiking or adventure, it's such a good function, isn't it, that they've introduced? Exactly. What are your favorite countries that you've been to? Oh, gosh. You know, I was actually blown away by Bosnia and Herzegovina on this trip. Mm -hmm. I took a day trip from Croatia, and it truly looked like a fairy tale. Uh, the day trip went by, by shuttle to Mostar. Uh, it is a, a country recently recovering from a war in the 90s, but the people were so friendly. The food was incredible. It just felt like an entirely different place than, than Croatia, even two hours away. So Bosnia was a pleasant surprise. It was beautiful. The Kevin's waterfalls near the Croatian border were amazing. So there was a very good mix of, of people and food, history, nature. It felt like it had it all. And one of my other favorite places was Tromsø, Norway. It's a bit more well, well known, mm -hmm. I'd say, but. A lot of people don't make the trip up to the city because it's in the very northern tip of Norway. Um, it's about a two-hour flight from Oslo. So if you go in the winter like I did, the northern lights are incredible. Uh, there's so many tours there that will even drive you into northern Finland just trying to get a view of the lights from, you know, the clouds and things like that. You can visit a camp for sled dogs and the fjords are obviously beautiful up there. So but those are a couple of my favorite places. I mean, there's so much in Europe. It's, it's hard to hate anything in Europe, but those were truly some of my hidden gems. Oh, fantastic. Would you say that they're the hidden gems in the country that people should definitely visit? Absolutely. And I think a lot of people might tend to gravitate towards the bigger cities or the capitals. Yeah. And I, I got in the habit after I made that, not a mistake, but I typically would say when I was younger, only in the capital. Then I would log back into Instagram and see posting from the same country. It's like, where was this? I was there. <laughs> but it was because I didn't look beyond the capital. So for me, there's just, there's so much. If you if you look up ahead of time, that's something I started doing is Googling, you know, where to visit in, say, Switzerland. You know, you could find a, a smaller town that you can add on to your trip and see some really amazing sites you just find outside the capital. That's great advice as well. And generally, you find more community-based tourism in the the smaller towns and the more rural areas as well. So it can be more of a cultural experience than a, a city break, on not it? Absolutely, yeah. And there might not be as many people that know English, but I find that those trips, you have the more meaningful connection. You're really getting submersed in the, the culture. It's just amazing how you can understand each other even when you can't quite speak the language or you do get <laughs> you get an outcome that you want at, at some point, don't you? Right, it's very rewarding. Definitely. If you only had a month, what would your perfect itinerary be? I guess this is a very difficult question and it would depend what region <laughs> you wanted to go to. Yeah, there's so much trash in Europe that you could choose from. Uh, Personally, I, I kind of classify countries as, as easier or tougher countries for me to visit. By easier, I mean countries that have a 
a large amount of English speakers, a bit less time, you know, just better transportation, countries that require less energy, essentially, for me. Mm-hmm. So I like to do a mix of some of those bigger countries, in my case, such as Norway, Italy, Poland, Croatia. And I like to add in a couple of tougher countries. And by tougher, it's not that it doesn't mean bad. It just means, like I said, I have to think a bit more about things. I have to be a little bit more guarded in these countries. There might be heavy language barriers. So uh, countries that are a little bit tougher, I like to add in as well. So I, I like the variety when I go on a trip. So, and on top of the, the navigating the countries, just finding a place that's, you know, by the ocean. I love seeing the ocean and the mountains in one trip. So I like having a pretty wide spread of, of geography and culture wherever I'm going. So I'd probably be all over Europe, to be honest with you. I don't necessarily stay close together in my flight plans don't always make sense, but I'm trying to get to the places that I, I want to see the most. Oh. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, it's very easy to get around, isn't it? Because there are buses. I spent four months from London to Turkey, and I even crossed the Channel Tunnel by bus as well. And I just took buses and trains, so it is very oh, wow. easy to go overland. There's also hop on, hop off buses, isn't there? So if you don't want to plan it all completely solo, you can have company on on the bus and book yeah. sectors. What's your favorite way of getting between everywhere? I personally have been using airplanes a lot more frequently. Uh, I mean, you can find flights for so cheap in Europe. It's probably mm. more than a bus in some cases. Like, I think flying from Croatia to Italy was maybe 20 US dollars, you know. Mm-hmm. And I granted, I travel light where I'm not paying baggage fees, but you know, compared to a bus that would take 11, 12 hours if I'm only in the country or in, in, on the continent for two weeks or so. For me, it makes sense to save the time and just fly. Um, yeah, definitely. But that's because I, I'm kind of all over the place. <laughs> Maybe you've had better luck as well. I've had had some rough goes on, like, the Swiss buses and been broken down on the highway of oh, no. Italy. So <laughs> I don't have a great track record with it, but so many I saw a Flix bus recently, but I took Blah Blah bus. I don't know if you okay. have I used Blah Blah car in the past, which is a platform where you can get a ride with a driver that's heading to your destination and they get verified and they have reviews as well. They've now expanded and they do Blah Blah bus and it was really cheap. Oh, very interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know they expanded. Yeah, but like you say, it's, I mean, if a flight is $20, it makes sense if you're short on time because that can sometimes be cheaper than the bus. And by the time you get to the airport and then get the other side, it can still be easier than 11 hours, can't it? Right. You do miss the scenery of the, of the bus rides and, you know, passing through the country some of the smaller towns. So that is one drawback to flying. What did you used to do in the evenings by yourself? So when I was younger, I would actually, if I was staying at hostels, I would go down to the the bar, many hostels have their own bar there, and that's where I would network and socialize a bit, get to know people, um, plan what we're doing the next day. It's usually a lot of solo travelers as well. Nowadays, it typically depends on where I'm at and which country I'm in. There are some countries where you can walk around safely by yourself and see the sights. 
but that was, you know, not the case in every country. So I would typically use evenings if I'm in a country where, you know, I, I don't really know anyone. I haven't met anybody yet. I'm not sure if it's safe to walk around. I'd use that to keep a possible plan my next day. Um, but if I am in a country where I can walk around, I find that going out and seeing some of the monuments and sites in the evening, which is actually what I did in Rome, uh, there's hardly any tourists in during the day. So that works out great. Oh, that's a great tip. I know that you can do evening tours at the Colosseum in Rome. Well, it was actually quite funny. And, and one of the, the ways I networked in Rome is I, I met a local there and he actually showed me around for the entire week. And so I got oh. to see sites and, and museums that I would have never had in my itinerary. And even I got to eat at restaurants that were more in local neighborhoods because I had someone that could speak the language with the wait staff and had been eating there his whole life. So it was nice to get a history lesson as well behind each monument. You know, normally you look up at it and might Google a little bit if they don't have any information there, but and a bit more behind what I was seeing. Very little crowds all because we were going at night. Oh, fantastic. In your experience, what countries would be the easiest ones for someone to travel to? I will say I thought Rome was very easy. Uh, Rome and Italy in general are very easy, in my opinion. Uh, even if the major hubs like Paris was easy, Croatia was a bit tougher just because of the lack of public transportation. I did have to rely on Uber quite a bit to get from the airport to where I split. London is obviously <laughs> pretty easy to, to navigate. You know, you have a lot of people that speak English and, and they have great public transit. Uh, and many of the, the Scandinavian countries are great as well. Like Norway and Sweden, they have phenomenal public transit and it's, it's very safe as well. So talking about safety, is there anywhere that you would avoid on the continent? To be honest, there's no places I have personally avoided Europe that I've been to. Uh, other continents, yes, I could, I could probably speak to that. But <laughs> the one piece of advice for Europe is, is doing the research on the neighborhoods that you're planning to stay in. Uh, you don't want to end up having to walk 45 minutes to get back to your apartment at night due to lack of public transit or staying in a more rundown area of that might be uncomfortable. It's always tough when you have stuff you want to do at night, and you might have been able to do it if you were staying in a better neighborhood where you're at is not safe. So, for Europe, I definitely recommend looking up where you stay when you travel around. Yeah, great idea because, especially in big cities, you can think, well, Istanbul, for example, is huge, and you can think. That from wherever you stay, you can go and see the sites, whereas you could be in a completely different neighbourhood and feel quite isolated. Absolutely. And, it's, yeah, it's very hard to tell without prior research and even using Reddit to see what, you know, other people are saying live there. So. Oh, that's a good platform to use. That was Reddit, did you say? Reddit, yeah. I, I do use Reddit. as typically a subreddit for every country, and many places have a separate it for their tourism sector so you'll see a lot of repeat questions and that's also where you can kind of discover the, the lesson known gems of each country and, and neighborhood recommendations as well oh, fantastic 
And what would you say to someone who's looking to go to Europe alone for the first time and is unsure about it? <laughs> I love when, when people are, are hesitant to go, but they, they have it <laughs> on their hearts to go. I'm like, yes, let me talk to you here. But one of my biggest pieces of advice is just take it day by day. It can get very overwhelming to look at a week or two week trip that you've just booked and feel like you need to figure everything out. Um, for example, I usually figure out the public transit in a major city when I'm at the airport before my flight stops, which obviously may differ if you're going to a country that lacks that transit or you're staying outside the city. But in my mind, I'm looking at what am I doing the next day? What information do I need to know for the next day? Why stress myself out a week in advance <laughs> about transit or something along those lines when I know I'll end up looking it up again the same night before? Um, and also talk to everybody. I mean, don't expect people to come to you. You're going to have to take some initiative if you're looking to meet people. So, you know, if I see a group trying to take a photo, I'll speak for them and start the conversation from there. Like, where are you from? What are your plans? What have you done so far? Um, and, and that's a great way to, to meet people and build those lasting relationships. I follow so many people on social media that I've met doing something like that. And, I think my last piece of advice to know locals, mm-hmm. like I said, they know more about the place you're visiting than most blog posters do. They typically live there either their whole life or for years at least. And, uh, you can get some great experiences that you would, wouldn't have had otherwise. Definitely. And I think that's really inspiring because you mentioned earlier that you're quite shy and introverted. So I think people listening to this are going to think, well, you know, if Emily can do it, then I can definitely do it. And especially because you seem to approach people and you talk to locals as well. So that's really inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that's the nice thing about being abroad and when you're in a different place. I mean, if you go up and talk to someone and they're not interested, what's the worst that can happen? You're probably never going to see them again, you know. (laughs) Move on to the next one. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's funny because I was very shy when I was in my 20s. I'm still. I get days when I'm very introverted. I'm more introverted than extroverted. And there are days when I think, oh, I really don't want to do this and I don't want to go out. And then they're normally the days when I have a lot of travel booked and I have to go to an airport or speak to people or do things. But um, you find that you just do it as well. You just go into autopilot and it ends up being very empowering and it grows your self-esteem, I think. It does. And especially as you have those successful encounters and once you get to hear about all these different stories, I find that people have worlds that you don't even know about. You know, people are living these lives that you would never have seen from your home country. And it's just so rewarding that once you get a piece of that, it's, it encourages you to keep doing it. You, know, you want to find and talk to as many people as you can and hear their stories. Yeah, people are so interesting as well, aren't they? Especially ones that you meet traveling, as well, the locals as well, but also people who are like you that are traveling and everyone shares their stories and they say oh I've just come from this direction and here when that used to happen to me I would think oh that place sounds really cool and then I'd add it onto my trip because they're they're just a a wealth of knowledge as well aren't they travelers that you meet on the road yeah absolutely so it's it's a great great experience and it's hard to go back but even if you are more shy you can sit in a cafe and people watch I, I absolutely love watching watching the locals watching tourists see what people are doing and you learn a lot about people that way as well 
Yeah, yeah, you're so right. And before we start wrapping up, is there anything else that you'd like to add for people traveling solo in general or people traveling to Europe? I would just say if it's your first time, take the plunge. I mean, I took the plunge at one of my lowest points in life. You know, I went to Salt Lake City with the U.S. by myself and just remember being terrified walking around at night and um, it ended up being so rewarding. I, I got a tattoo to, to commemorate it, but go ahead and just do it you know you'll meet the most amazing people you'll have the stories to tell you don't want to look back later and wonder what would happen if you, had the, if you actually took the leap and went to the place you're wanting to visit it can be very addicting it's hard to come back after the trip and start planning your next trip, so. yeah oh i love that that's great advice and your plans for the future you said that you're planning to go to eastern europe that is down the line, but probably early next year. My my next trip is actually in a few weeks. I'm going to be heading to Costa Rica and Colombia. Wow. Uh, I'm hoping to learn to surf in Costa Rica. That's been a bucket list since I lived in Los Angeles probably 10 years ago. So I tried back in the day and failed, but we're going to give it another go. So Amazing. You've got Costa Rica and then Colombia, and then next year you've got Eastern Europe. It's fantastic. Yeah, so a lot on the horizon. So where can people go if they want to follow your travels and find out more about you? Yeah, so my Instagram is probably the easiest place to see where I'm where I'm at, what I'm doing. Uh, my Instagram is Emily's S dot passport. So I post on there pretty frequently. It's almost entirely travel related. Okay, great. I'll put a link under this um, interview as well. So people can follow your travels and see how you're getting on in Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Emily. And oh, great meeting you. I wish you success on all of your future trips, whether they're solo or with other people. Thank you so much. I wish you safe travels as well. Thank you. And I hope that Emily has inspired you to travel to Europe. I personally found this interview very inspiring. If she has, we have a solo travel in Europe guide on the Girl About the Globe blog. And I'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to our Girl About the Globe podcast, making solo travel easier for you. Find everything that you need for your solo travels at girlaboutheglobe.com. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.